Married to who? Was that Sandstorm? Staying in. Keep it going, Sam. Okay, anyways. Oh, lost it. Took it a different song now. I think she started with Sandstorm. Go, Alex! It sounds like he says potato, 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 potato. <laughs> Pretty much, he yeah. is. Well, welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me are those couples: Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex. And our producer Terry's here. This week, we're here to talk about the arc written by Paul Erickson and Leslie Scott, directed by Michael Emerson, aired March 5th to March 26th, 1966. Before we get started, a little bit of news for in the Doctor Who world since the last time we recorded. Old news by the time anyone hears this, but Bernard Cribb has passed away. Oh, Fucking legend. Well, I... I Oh, geez, that's really loud in ears. I think it's safe to say, in all of our top three Doctor Who characters ever. For sure. We for already sure. declared him MVP for the upcoming special that he was in. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it was in and our podcast previously. We, I hope you know, his I've obituary been... read MVP of life. MV- yes. Yeah, it just said MVP. No, no reason given. No. <laughs> No reason needed. A lot of people were giving like or like giving a lot of thoughts and you know um, telling stories about meeting him. And there's one I saw on Twitter. Someone showed a video of like something he shot in like the 80s or 90s. He was younger, but not like a young man. And uh, someone had brought like a camcorder to set and was showing like all the actors. And every actor would walk by and wave at the camera. And then Bernard Cribben saw the camera and he had like a like a stick in his hand and he did like a minute long routine <laughs> where he was like <laughs> falling over, pretending to use the stick and then like doing like this whole mime act because that's just how he was. He was constantly performing. He just wanted to make people laugh. I've been hemming and hawing about what we're going to do after we finish the first Doctor. And one thing I had in mind was watching the 60s Dalek movies. Oh, and yeah. now we're definitely doing that because Bernard Cribbins is in one of them and he's fantastic in it. Aww. So, now on to our regularly scheduled program. Cody, it is now time for everybody's favorite segment, Cody's 42nd Plot Synopsis. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, so this is Lady Dave Dodo. We don't know who she is, but we still got Steven. That's great. We'll keep him along. They land onto this ship. It's called Dark. There's a bunch of guardians. There's these monoids. Nobody knows how they breathe. They don't got a mouth. It's kind of weird. Anyway, they all get sick because Dodo's a, a stupid how person. And the, the, everybody gets sick. And the, the doctor's like, I'll get a cure. And then the main guy's like, they'll get a cure. And then they get a cure. And then the whole series is done. 
Lol, just kidding. We come back 700 years later. They're reaching <laughs> the planet that they were finally trying to get to. It turns out the monoids that don't know how to breathe. Uh, can talk now and they got guns uh, and they're in control and they got slave people and then they go down the refugees are like fuck boom why did you shit did and then the humans uh, time means stop you stop <laughs> i got so much more to talk about there's some good stuff there um we'll get to all of it but first terry about nine years ago there was a poll in a magazine called doctor who magazine <laughs> about that polled all these nerds about what their favorite Doctor Who stories were, and they categorized them and put all classics by themselves. There's a hundred and some. What was it? Fifty six. Fifty. I thought it was fifty. It's a hundred. Hundred. It's fifty six. There's a hundred and fifty six classic Doctor Who stories. Where do you think this one falls on that list? I'm gonna say forty five. Thank you for announcing that you're about to say something. You're welcome. <laughs> Every time. We need to go back to Terry Reviews. That was a great segment. We did Terry Reviews? Just once, and it was hilarious. Oh. I don't remember that. He's, a, he's the clothing guy. I just we'll listened to, to our last three episodes, and it was in one of those. <laughs> um, let's see. Who's the second best at this game? Jill. Jill, where you got it? Hmm. I like it. Spoilers. But if Terry Do you love it? Yeah. Do you want some more of it? Yeah. Fifty-six. <laughs> What'd you say again, Terry? Forty-five. Okay. Um Cody. Me. Twenty-eight. Alex? I'm gonna say uh, 42. Samantha. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) 32. I work with like three Sams, both are all male and female jumbled up, and it really just messes with my mind. (laughs) Better take the safe route and say Samantha instead of Sam. (laughs) Yeah. um, Are they all Samantha and Samuel to you now? They should be. They're, they're all Sam. Every single one of them. Sam, Sam, and Sam. Can't fuck up that way. Sam, what'd you say again? 32. About an hour ago, we were all playing volleyball. All of us except for Jill and Cody. And I told you I was going to make a guess in my head in that moment. And I did. And I was only seven away. Ooh. You're all so far off. It was 115. They're wrong, Jake. <laughs> Why? They're all wrong. These people I'm are out. the worst. I'm, I'm done. Like this is this is this is a fake poll. This trash. The, like this is all fake numbers. First Doctor Era really gets shit on on this poll. Uh, well, now you tell clearly us. Clearly, <laughs> you guys are. You know. You like this better than some of the recent ones we've been watching, so give me some stuff. What do you think about it? Well, first off, it's a like a, you get to see the results of the initial approach. So it's like a series, uh, like uh, a resurgence of something. And that's kind of cool. I haven't seen that in Doctor Who recently. And every episode before this is ass. 
<laughs> Every, are you saying this is your favorite first doctor story this is my favorite first doctor story Ooh. minus whatever the fuck giants came up God, so bad <laughs> the minus, whoever, minus the next one because the next one's a banger too oh hell yeah whoever designed the monoids fuck you <laughs> oh, you never said which one is your favorite besides this I don't. I don't know. It was ass. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Was his favorite. Yeah, the giants one. It was was Planet of Giants. No, that was the one with the big ants and the incredibly noisy. Aztecs wasn't god awful. The stabby stabby killy killy episode. Dalek invasion of Earth. Uh, My my favorite. Actually, I think that one wasn't terrible. It kept my attention. I think actually, what did we watch last week or two weeks ago? What happened? I forgot. You're you're asking too much. Oh, what about the the sensorites? Uh, rights, I love Sensorites. I love the one. first two episodes. <laughs> I was, we were all the opposite. Yes. I love the first two episodes. You guys all love the last two episodes. Yep. Yeah, that sounds about right. But but the Romans, guys. <laughs> the... Oh, Romans is dope as hell. Tooth and claw. We still say things are dope, right? In 2021? Oh, for sure. Slizzy. Oh, it's also skin. 2022. Oh my god, <laughs> Oh, is this the first example of um, them going into a TARDIS and then coming back out and it's like years, years, years later, like in Tenant's episode? Yes. What you mean to say is okay. it's the first timey-wimey episode. Okay. Ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah. They, do, they do sometimes go in the TARDIS and come out and it's years later, but that's usually like the first thing they do. It's It's the first time they come back to a place that we've seen them at and it's in the future. And so here we see for the first time the TARDIS team have a truly negative impact on history. And then they came. Was everybody else bamboozled at the end of the second episode? I was like, we did it. What's happening right, yeah. now? What the hell? Did I start it on the wrong episode? Yeah. I really like the stinger after that, though, like at the end of yeah. the second episode where it shows the statue and it's panning up and then it's the, the monoid's head. Well, oh, for, yeah. Because so of those good. first two episodes, they keep talking about this fucking statue. It's like, yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. the monoid head being on there was just like a recognition of the two races being together that oh. at all <laughs> oh, what that it was. Poorly. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. If, uh, Wasn't yeah. it, though? Like, because the Guardians built it. No, it was just the monoids took over, so they're like, fuck you guys, this is a monoid statue. Uh, yeah, halfway through building that, they took over, because then they got the bomb in the head. What happened with the monoids and the guardians, I don't comprehend. So it's very kind of quickly washed over in the th- episode three. The The sickness came back. It had mutated. Uh-huh. And so Dodo, so they, uh, like, caused all of this. Just murdered so many people. <laughs> well... I don't blame Dodo. She's a kid. She And she doesn't believe that they're traveling in time. She doesn't know what's happening. The doctor, the second she sneezes, should be like, get the fuck out of Like, let's all just get back in. We're out. Cody and I were trying to figure out what the sneezing was going to have to do with the episode. We were not even close to right. <laughs> it was well, I, the doctor. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm going to finish answering Jill's question. The illness came back. It had mutated, and the human population was more affected, and they lost their will, according to the monoid leader, and 
during this time, they also created the talking devices that are around the monoids neck. Hold on, who's they? The humans did. The humans. The humans and the monoids together, but they helped them. Okay. And the monoids were, like, laughing at them. Like, they even helped us develop the technology that helped us destroy them. Because apparently all the monoids needed was the ability to speak out loud to create guns. So they were also, (laughs) they were always assholes. Is that right? Which is bullshit because, yeah, they were always assholes. But, like, like sign language is a language. Like, you can, you could still create guns (laughs) or, like, do things, overthrow, uh, you know, your slavers, I guess they saw them as. Yeah, and the language didn't even seem very limited. Of their signing. But it's, you know, there's a lot of affection among Phantom for the Monoids. You know, saying that they were, like, indentured or enslaved even. We only have the story the old man told us, which is they came to Earth looking for refuge and offered their services. And then they, they came with on the journey to go find a new planet. And... You know, from what we see, like, yeah, they're in jobs of labor, but they also, like, have, just like the humans do, millions of, like, miniaturized people ready to be birthed when they get to the planet. They're also, like, one of them was the prosecutor, so they're holding, like, uh, like, for, like jobs in the government. Yeah. It, it seems like they've got a pretty good gig going. It doesn't feel as much like slavery as it does when we come back in the second half. But I'm wondering if, like, they were invited was the same way that they invited the Doctor and team uh, into, like, the helm or whatever. Because, like, the guy's like, I'll go get the prisoners. And then he's like, oh, wait. Or then the, like, the main dude is like, no, invite them in. Like, I I don't think that was sinister from the main dude's point of view. He was saying, like, hey, don't freak him out. Like, But then he put in, them in, in jail. Like, that was the whole thing. Is like, lure them in, we'll question them without their guard up, and then they're our prisoners. But so, he, he didn't put them in jail until after people started getting sick. Yeah, the sneezing happened. This is that Z dude, right? The like sneezing. Zen, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. once, once the old man, the leader, got sick, then his, like, the younger person, his, like, second in command, yeah. he put them in jail. Yeah, yeah, so that... what does that say with, like, the evolution of where it was going? Because, like, if that guy died 10 years later or whatever, oh yeah, and then this next generation is a bunch of, like, privileged assholes, you know? Like, I could see it going bad. We don't know, but... He would have 10 more years to teach the next generation. Those younger people would have 10 more years of maturing. But, I mean, if he died right there from the illness, the doctor and company would be ejected out into space and everyone would have died. Yeah. I thought the doctor had helped uh, put it into the monoids heads to throw an uprising because when he was figuring out the cure, uh, he had mentioned to the monoids like you are much smarter than they put on like you you are ridiculously smart and they just don't know that. So I wasn't sure if that was like putting a seed into their heads of like, oh, well, hell, why are we servants? We should be taking over. That's what I saw out of that. Um, I I read that as more of just like kind of showing the the doctor in a good light, like showing how he's more worldly than the humans are. Right. And just like that, he, you know, is able to work with any species. And he's like, oh, I'd like totally get this. I mean, he wanted to fuck that monoid. They were (laughs) that that thing was close to get an invite onto the TARDIS. 
yeah, no, I totally believe he was being good about it, like complete compliments, but I thought the monoid would have taken it as an Maybe. invite to take over. On that, I, on that same track, I was super bummed when they leave at the end of episode two and like the monoids, you know, take them in their golf cart to the TARDIS. The doctor just gets out and goes to the TARDIS, doesn't say goodbye, doesn't shake, just like, <laughs> peace out, driver. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this conversation that I knew we were going to have with this episode, but like Jill was asking, I, I must have, like the, on the first watch, I must have missed that like explanation of how the monoids overthrew them and why, because um, I had thought, like I was originally like, oh, so the 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 white people can have servants, but then as soon as they're not, like it's a problem. It's yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah like, I only, feel like the only white are humans assholes. on this arc. <laughs> yeah, we got two of every animal, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only one of every. You uh, know. Yeah, no, that was. But then after hearing that explanation, it's like, well, hmm, maybe they are kind of the assholes. <laughs> they're just taking advantage of them when they're trying to help them speak and expand like as a society. And I don't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, we didn't see it. It could have been just like with the humans, like there could have been like one like really charismatic leader who was like, fuck these guys and just like kind of started yeah. a revolution. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it but... happens <laughs> pretty easily around here. Then I was thinking of like the first two episodes and the the Guardians held a whole like trial in defense of the Monoids because they they had someone die. So they're like, OK, we need to uphold their rights. So like, yeah, I feel like the Monoids were, were chilling pretty good in the first two. I think it might have been interesting to show a scene where people that weren't the higher leaders were maybe mistreating a Monoid. Because, yeah, oh, that, yeah, that opening scene, and every time the leader is mentioning their people, he always says the Guardians and the Monoids. Like, he always includes them. And so, like, when they're reprimanding that person in the very first scene and, you know, uh, sent sentencing him to being miniaturized, he's like, you you made a fatal mistake. You could have killed all of all of the human race and the Mon and our good friends, the Monoids. And it was like, he, and he did that a couple times, or any time he was just talking about like the need for their species to survive. He always included both of them. And so it again, like in those first two episodes, it kind of seemed like everyone was doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's like, Hey, we're going to get to this planet. We're going to unleash our millions of embryos. You're going to unleash your millions. And like, we'll just fucking have a party on this planet. (laughs) Yeah. Two, two, (laughs) two races that, both destroyed their own planet. Showing up to another planet, yeah, they're gonna fuck that planet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, oh, no. like, which of these guardians would not be like, "What do I gotta do to get miniaturized and woken up when we get there?" Like, all these people are intending on dying <laughs> on this ship, yeah, because they're still seven hundred years away. But one guy's like, "Oh, I left a valve on," and they're like, "Fuck it, you have to wait till we get to paradise and live there for the rest of your days." <laughs> He's like, "Ah, shit." Yeah. No, I- <laughs> 100 percent and well what it was is he was over his like side piece so he's like i'm just gonna do this so i don't have to talk to her right. anymore yeah, it's, <laughs> because they're they that guy doesn't get to have a line because they'd have to pay him more like there it's clear that that's like his lady and she walks up after he's been sentenced and just goes bye <laughs> and, and, like, <laughs> that's the most monotone <laughs> it's just like wow this is dark yeah Sam, you told me earlier you had some questions. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. Oh! <laughs> um, what happened to Vicky? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a story, I think it's called The Mythmakers, where they go back and fight in the uh, Roman uh, wars. And there's uh, some king's son she fancies, so she stays. Aww. And Steve is just along for the ride for eternity? Yeah. I mean, he's... they. I mean, in between that, we had the, the big 12-part Dalek master plan where two companions died, or would-be companions. And then the massacre where Steven got really sweet on this girl. She was in the whole story, but then she just leaves and he thinks she dies. But then their next stop is in sixties London and they meet Dodo who is a descendant of that woman. So he's like, Oh sweet. She lived, which wow. I was listening to a podcast today. Um, Lazy Doctor Who, which has one of the Radio Free Scarrow guys and one of the Verity ladies. They're a married couple. But uh, they I will listen to their ep- episode about this. And he has a theory that Steven is Dodo's great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. That he fucked that chick. <laughs> and is... And why that's is why that he's... always the theory? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he's so... Um, like, so this guy's thinking he's gonna, he might be interviewing Peter Purvis pretty soon, or pretty soon from when this episode was, which could have been years ago, I never even looked, but, uh, he's gonna bring it up, but it, it would explain some things with how he's, like, chasing her out of the TARDIS and he's super protective of her and kind of treats her differently than Vicky. Most people think it's just because Dodo's portrayed as more, like, dumb. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe not dumb, but less capable. And I think I think this is actually Do- uh, Dodo's best story. But uh, listening to some other podcasts about future stories she's in, everyone's like, "Fuck, Dodo's stupid." Oh, <laughs> I, no. I, I haven't seen those ones, but uh, yeah. I thought she was a little bit of a know-it-all in this episode. She's the little bag of sass. Yeah, like she comes out and she's like, "This is that, and this is that, and look at that animal." Blah 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 blah. She's supposed to be sixteen. 16-year-olds kind of are know-it-alls. Okay. Yeah, but she actually knew the name of whatever the (laughs) weird bird was. She likes uh, animals. So are we mad that she did know it all? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That Mary Sue. Listen here, we need ignorance from you. Um, And you may have noticed throughout the story, the doctor telling her that he has to teach her how to talk properly. So... In the previous episode, which we didn't see, she has like a strong Cockney accent, a lower class accent. And that was the plan for this character. After that episode, the higher ups of the BBC, not even like the producers of Doctor Who, but above them were like, no, should they will speak BBC English, which is RP, the Queen's English. So they they had to put in a story reason for her to like drop her accent and and speak differently so and just couple... saying okay was the reason that she <laughs> that he had a well, teacher so that's English. just slang so i th- I think they kind of sprinkled some slang in there to kind of keep that reason or that thing going to be like hey we're getting her out of this and kind of you know we don't want it to just be one throwaway line we want to drop a few things 
But yeah, I mean that that's just teenager sixties slang. Where she says something's like, um Well, she says fab a couple times. She said something was gear. I never heard that one, but I didn't notice that one. She talking about somebody jamming a needle in their ass? What? 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 Obviously, you people don't know what gear is. Jesus. (laughs) What do you mean, boo? We don't kink shame, Alex. (laughs) Cody can do whatever he wants. It's not a a kink. It's not a kink. It's just trying to get high. (laughs) No. What? No. Gear is steroids. Oh, when he said needle, I just assumed knitting needle because I am so, <laughs> like, not a drug person. We have a room of five different people. <laughs> Madam a square. I don't, it might have been just a me thought as well. Uh, but when. Go okay. on. Uh, but when they talked about the earth. Terry, oh, all of your thoughts are you thoughts. <laughs> you're you're the only you there is i'm hoping someone else also had this thought um but when watching it and they talked about the earth burning uh and then like the earth did burn um did anyone else also think that at the same time there was that other spaceship with cassandra and they're like oh look our home is burning (laughs) i was like oh that would be so cool if these are like the same like universe out there in like one the whole one thing. of the podcasts let's do today did bring that up um <laughs> it wasn't a spaceship it was an observation station no i'm sorry uh but yeah it uh there's if you if you really go through all the episodes and like the books and the audio books there's like there's so many times where it's like oh if you pick like a certain day there's like four versions of the doctor within a couple of miles of each other. Yeah. <laughs> like like the lot the last frost fair in like 1816, there's at least four doctors there. Well, we watched one of those episodes, right? Two of them. One where they're actually there and one where River is like, "Oh, me and the doctor were just there." Mm. How clever would that be for a showrunner to just nod at that and then just have like the wisp of a doctor in the background in one shot? Yeah, that'd be cool. If you could just, like, you just CGI an older doctor just, like, kind of walking by and th- they don't notice each other. I would even, I would even go for, like, a, like a crowd and in the background you just hear, hoo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> like, I would take yeah. that. They do that all the time. They add is, old audio stuff. Is that Winnie the, the Pooh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also known as the first doctor. <laughs> I was going to say no, Mr. Magoo. Are, are we associating hoo-hoo with him or hmm? Because I Definitely think it's hmm. Hmm. Well, that's the most used, but when he's excited and like jolly, oh, yeah. that's, he goes hoo-hoo. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Now it's the only thing I'm ever going to hear. <laughs> Speaking of the man, actually, I really liked him in this story. Yeah. And uh, he... I. Like, obviously, in the second episode, he's, like, doctor, doctor, like, comes up with a cure and is all sciencey, which is great. But I really like when they get down to the planet and he figures out the, um, what's their species called? Does anyone Refusians? remember? Refusians? Monoids? Refusians. No. Alex? Guardians. <laughs> Invisibility. The Refusians. Terry, you know we can't hear you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Refusians are, like, when he figures it out, and then I love just, like, just like kind of pompous like i'm finally talking to a smart person doctor 
he, he like sits in that chair and he's just so relaxed and like all this shit's going on he's like everything's gonna be fine and he you know it cuts back to him talking to the invisible people and he's just like so this is our story and then they start telling theirs he's like oh yes of course yeah great and i just love hartnell being kind of the just like the pompous smart guy who's just like in his element just having an intelligent conversation but the doctor didn't talk them into letting the humans stay and then they were like peace you later well he said it's up to them like and the it's up to the humans to correct their behavior and and it's up to these guys to decide if they want to let him stay like he's he's not the humans like uh you know chaperone he's just happened to be there got a big old nope he doesn't want his friends to get blown up by the bomb that's about it i love the introduction of the invisible tights they were instantly cooler than the monoids and you never saw them (laughs) like just a voice and a butt impression yes just the impression (laughs) in the seat i love that so much that was great and the drinking from the cup what yeah what did i miss that maybe did that happen everybody else? yeah they completely empty out a Never mind. Different different show. Yeah. <laughs> I missed it, but I barely watched the fourth episode. I, I was taking I notes. Jake, I don't think you missed it. I don't think it happened. No, I'm thinking about Fancy Free because in my head, like, I was like, how did they shoot that? Because an animated character drank empty a cup and I associated that with something invisible and the Refusians and uh, get gaslighted. All of you. No, you did not have me. You No, I got you. While we're while we're on the kind of talking about William Hartnell, I think one reason why he might have been so good in this is this is the very first story that they shot out of order. They they shot everything based on set availability. So during the month or five weeks that they shot this, there would be days where they're like, oh, on Tuesday, we're just shooting Steven's courtroom scene so you don't need to come in. So I think there's like days off sprinkled in there, whereas in the past they always shoot everything in order of it happening, so everyone is on set every day. So he was a fresh doctor. They got smarter. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They did it right. But I mean, they're forced to. And and another thing, and this might be a part of it. They ran way over budget, and over time, and the director got fired. Before starting the fourth episode, they're like, hey, this is like not just fired from Doctor Who, but fired from the BBC. They're like, you're done after this. Like, have fun with your last week. But that is it. Wow. Oh, so he did finish shooting, but he he knew he was fired. I saw they told him by giving him a note, like the (laughs) day he was starting the last episode. Yikes. Wow. I've heard I've heard a few different kind of stories as to why he was fired but the going over budget was kind of a uh, the one i kept hearing but this was probably that live elephant story was had. so good compared to <laughs> most of all the other ones we've seen right i mean that's probably a lot of writing but i really appreciated that they numbered the bonoids instead that of was having so dumb i hate that <laughs> i hate it too <laughs> like, 
They did it with the Sensorites. Yes. They did it with, like, when it's just a bunch of, like, faceless aliens that all look exactly the same, and you just, like, number them. I don't care about their story. So that's why I barely pay attention in 4, because it's, like, you know, in episode 4. It's, like, there's some kind of, there's infighting between nameless, faceless bad guys. There's not, like, there's a good one who's overthrowing the bad guy. They're all bad. They're just different kinds of bad. Mm-hmm. I don't and know the one, the one monoite. What, what are they called? Is that what monoid? Called? monoid. Monoid. The one monoid didn't shoot the humans when they were running back to the little pods. Yeah, number four is a bro. Yeah, and number he has four a face. <laughs> okay, his name was four. <laughs> oh, so you're you're asking how they breathe, Cody? <laughs> yeah. The actors are holding those eyeballs in their mouths. What? That I was like wondering if they were tongue operated. So they can't. They're like breathe. turning them with their tongue. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't get that. I and then figured. they just they just put the hair over their face. They called it the beetle wigs. Yeah. What? <laughs> Which honestly, it looked like they had put the wigs on backwards because everything on the front would be like the ends of the wig. My so mind then your is bangs would be at the back of your head. Yeah, because they, they wanted to cover their faces. But I didn't understand why the chest cavity was so pronounced. It looked like there was a giant tube up the center, so that didn't make sense to me. Just to make them other. Make them alien. Oh, no, nah, that... that's the oxygen tank for their breathing. <laughs> <laughs> to catch all their spit from their tongue operating. Ugh. <laughs> so was there just like a hole in the back of a eyeball and their tongue was just inside the eyeball or were they just like spinning it so weird uh, and th- then you would assume there's someone off camera doing the voice yeah and they're they're like acting to the voice yeah mm-hmm. which is like props to them man that's that was great it was or they just well didn't move the eyeball when they talked it's in their mouths Terry, there there how was do you talk <laughs> <laughs> and they all sounded the same right there was not really. There was literally a, like a close-up scene when one was talking that like got real close and it was like dramatic. And he had like a lot of movements with his eye and he was moving with like the speech. And I thought it was such a good scene. I knew like, oh, he's doing that with his mouth along with what's being said. Like that's that's just really good. I feel like the audio for the monoids was recorded at a later time. How would you even do that? The audio was just a strip that you could tack together just like video. Yeah. Yeah, but when you're on it's set... It's a separate track. When you're on set, you're just moving, and then... Well, it could be then just you're... like the director <laughs> saying the lines, or someone uh, just off, yeah. off screen saying the lines, and then someone comes into a booth later. Oh, well, right, like Tard. tard a professional uh, voice actor. The Daleks. That guy's actually there when they do that. Then good on the director for making it look good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why he got fired. Looks too good. Oof. (laughs) Okay, I have comments, questions, concerns. Okay, one real quick thing. Okay. The elephant had to sleep on the director's lawn because (laughs) they could, BBC wouldn't allow the elephant's trailer to stay on the BBC lot overnight. That's totally why the director <laughs> was into directing. He's like, I'm just gonna hire this elephant. He's gonna be in my yard. <laughs> it's my baby now. But the, all those animals, they weren't uh, B-roll. They were. <laughs> they shot all that and brought all those animals in. That's why this episode was so fucking expensive and this dude got fired. <laughs> That's insane. It's like, we're the BBC. We've got shots of elephants. You don't need to bring a fucking elephant here. Yeah. Also, that did 
nothing for the story, right? No, not really. Except my first point of why doesn't Steven recognize animals? <laughs> well, he's from the far future. And he didn't live on Earth. He's human. But we find him like in the like I, they don't even say when it is, but we find him on the mechanoid planet. So he's oh, some kind right, of yeah. star traveler, space traveler. So shouldn't he know about the history of this happening since it's after Earth? Yeah, let's let's ask you about every animal that existed <laughs> three million years ago. Go ahead, Jay. I'm ready. You know? I'm ready. <laughs> no, we're, first one. Sam, were you talking about the history of the events of the yes. arc? Okay, yes. not the animals. Correct. Because <laughs> oh, my is, bad. Is Stephen <laughs> is Stephen after these events or or somewhere in the middle? No idea. There, the timeline of classic Doctor Who it does not bother keeping <laughs> continuity. Oh. And there, when they ask him what date it is, they say it's the fifty seventh um, era or whatever. They like they don't give a date. Apple something. Yeah. So that was the year five billion basically, and this the Doctor says, "Oh, we must be ten million years in the future." But the doctor's just guessing. He could be way off. Yeah. Hmm. Ten million is so incomprehensible for us, anyway. But like, we're all, we all know that like the Earth isn't going to be destroyed in ten million years. Like, it's going to take a little while for the sun to <laughs> destroy the Earth. Jake is assuming the Earth is going down because of the sun. Well, I mean, the actual physical rock <laughs> will. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll die before the Earth does for sure, one hundred percent. Because we'll make it uninhabitable. Joe, what else you got? You've been quiet this week. All right. My, I'm just going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to do a list, but I'm open to feedback on my list. So it's not a list. Happy, it's happy to interrupt points. whenever, whenever I feel. Miniaturization as a punishment is one of my favorite things. Can that <laughs> be a thing? Bring it on. Miniaturize me, daddy. <laughs> I think that's great, and it's Ooh. for seven hundred years. World hunger. Every time you come solved. in crime, we take one inch off of you. Oh jeez, I love it. <laughs> well, as long as it's like, hey, you're gonna come back in seven hundred years. Like, I'll go kill someone right now. Like, I want to see the future. Where's this inch coming from? Hey, that's that's uh, <laughs> that's literally like almost kind of like Demolition Man. Like he did that crime. He was it's not almost like literally. Well, not like, okay. It wasn't. It wasn't shrunken though. They froze him. They didn't shrink him. You guys but... talked about Demolition Man on one of our recent podcasts, and I literally had to Google it. <laughs> Dude, it's such a good movie, and you haven't watched it yet. So who's the asshole? <laughs> Actually, yes, maybe also me. I mean, I've seen it, but I haven't made her see it. I didn't even know about it until recently. <laughs> she doesn't know how to use the shells, guys. It's such a good. <laughs> movie oh man i'm gonna watch it tonight well, I, would, I would go that far I, that's a little <laughs> so one of my favorites one it's of my memey. favorites it's okay. got a lot of memes jill um my second favorite thing other than miniaturization as a punishment is the space burial aka the launching bay that was <laughs> the best funeral i've ever been a part of all of the launchings. Oh, I looked forward to the next launching every time. <laughs> Please launch more things. This is great. Alex, you got to show her some B-Star G. I was show just those thinking funerals. that. Yeah, those those funerals give me chills, man. They're so cool. What? It was amazing. Just the like, all right, take him to the space burial. And he just gets 
chucked out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeeted out the spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> they do that in every space show. They do that in Star Trek. They it's, do it in well, I've P-Star never G. They space do space shows, Jake. Well, start watching space shows, yeah. Jill. Jill, let's watch. <laughs> me and you, me and you are gonna watch Battlestar Galactica. No, we're, we're not, not gonna watch the prequels. We'll just Pulse. start at thirty-three because that's my favorite B Star episode ever. <laughs> you have to. There are prequels. Yeah, they are the the like the minisodes, like the mini series. That's not a prequel. That's the pilot. You, like, no, you have to learn no. how why everything's happening. No, you don't need that. It, it's, and it's great. It is great, but it's it drags. It's like Doctor it's Who a, level it's not drag. Even a miniseries. It's two ninety-minute episodes. That's a mini so mini. What what did they call it? They called a mini mini series. They called it a mini series. Okay, then why are you fucking with me? Because it was it. a backdoor pilot to get the show launched. They didn't intend it on being a mini series. I'll get in your backdoor pilot. <laughs> um, Jill, when you brought up this relationship, it brought to mind another burgeoning relationship. Um, the main, or like the number two guy in the future, not the past, or maybe, maybe he's the leader guy. I don't know. They're all just white dudes, but he's got a lady who the minute Steven shows up is like, fuck this guy. (laughs) And then at the end, when Steven's like, okay, all you guys get down to the planet. I'm going to search for the bomb. This lady's like, I'll stay here. And there's just this look of devastation from her guy. Who's like, what? Yeah. And she's like, hey. And she's just like, look at this fucking dude. (laughs) Like, you don't have a chance, man. And then as soon as Steven leaves, she just cuddles right up to that guy. He's like, well, we're just going to have to teach our kids all about them. (laughs) And she's like, yes, I am settling. But lucky (laughs) for you, I'm settling. So let's do this. (laughs) Do you think that was, do you think they were kind of partially writing Steven's exit at that point? Because I kind of felt the same. Like, this would be no. the reason he would stay there, but maybe he's like, nah, I'm going to stay. And then he's got to stay with his great, great, great granddaughter. Sure. <laughs> um, That lady also was the first time I realized the horror that is the outfit these people are wearing. Like, I thought I it was great. Why. I watched the first two episodes on my phone. And then. There's a shot at in the final episode where this lady's like running towards the console to like eject the bomb. And there's a low camera and her outfit kind of billows away and you're like, "Hold on, she's just wearing bikini bottoms yeah. and like yep. nothing else." Yeah. All the women were Yeah. I hadn't noticed. And the dudes, like the old man had like a speedo on and it was great. Like, how's this place not littered with kids? <laughs> what are these people doing uh, they lost their will jake because of disease <laughs> but before that like the youngest person is 22 yeah <laughs> what are these people doing <laughs> i don't know trying to find what valve to turn so they get sent back to the future <laughs> yeah apparently this ship is the death star turning one valve the wrong way blows the whole thing up <laughs> also why didn't the monoids... Is that their name? Why can I not remember their You're name? You're right. That's right. Okay. Why didn't they destroy all the human sh- shrinky-dinks peoples? I mean, they tried to explode the whole arc. They might need arc. slaves in the future. No, they tried to explode the whole arc. Like, that was yeah, the plan. Fair. But, like, wouldn't you do that during, during like, the over 
taking of them. For some reason, the Monoids are trying to save face, right? They're like, we can't let them know our plan until we enact it. But, like, they're literally their overlords, so... Well, they they had to save them already. That's what I'm saying. Know. Like, they were being real... Like, even when they were just talking... Uh, and one of, like one of the guardians was standing there. He's like he like holds up his hand to like stop the conversation, and then he's like, "I'm good now." And then like the the guardian takes the tray and then leaves. And then there's like a secret like conversation. It's like you're the over, you're literally the, like you run this place. Why are you being so secretive? Like you, they know you hate them. <laughs> like I don't get. What do you mean? It was weird. It was weird. But it was good. Give him that. You guys want some tweets? Yeah. Yeah, we were in like 55 minutes on this thing already. Yeah, but Jake was fixing things for like 20 minutes. Yeah, I've only had 49 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, James at James Swift 95 says really great start with a boring second half. I scored a five out of 10. I do like the cause and effect idea. Yeah. So I think, I think James liked it a little less than you guys did. A lot less. Than uh, me, at least. BT flibbity gigget at your cool 91. BT. <laughs> says i actually really like the story really is capitalized all caps yeah i actually really like this story there you <laughs> go jake though i'll put at least 75 percent of my love for it down to just the format i feel like moffat definitely took notes on this one the massive time jump that means a change of status quo between the episodes very much reminds me of some of his more timey-wimey two-parters like pandoric opens and the big bang now that the plot isn't compelling on it all on its own, I love the concept of a colony ship that's journeying for literal generations. I love the tension between the humans and the monoids and how their circumstances flip over the 700-year time skip. I love the Refusians and how weird they are. They've got this benevolent eldritch elder race thing going on that oh I just find gosh. very compelling. I don't understand oh, any of those big words. We got, we got a D&D friend. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> As for Dodo, poor Dodo. It's not her or the actress Jackie Lane's fault that the dudes in charge hated good female characters. Maureen O'Brien's departure is a fascinating bit of behind-the-scenes drama if you decide to go into that. I was going to look some of that up today and I did not. IMO, the fallout from that is when Bill Hartnell goes from charmingly grumpy to full-on antagonistic to the production team. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And you can see the cracks. Uh oh, I thought okay. This reminds me the end of the uh, story. I was like, "Is this gonna be a regeneration? Is this is is this what's happening?" I'm so confused. When he started disappearing, I thought he was dying. Oh yeah. Oh well, we will talk about that soon. Um, that tweet reminded me of what I had told Jill when we started watching it because I don't remember titles you told of me you things. Hate women? No. I don't remember Usually. titles of things, but um, when you said the arc, I was like, okay, and then we looked it up, and it started playing, and I was like, oh, shit, that's this story, and I was super excited, and um, and then it reminded me of uh, Stargate Universe, which is like an arc-like thing, traveling through the depths of space, and it, like, 
just that like sci-fi trope is so cool to me and i i really love like just that kind of type of story kind of type of story yeah there's a uh, quite a few arc stories in doctor who at least two in new who that we've seen and there will be more in classic who um ode underscore ollie at ode underscore ollie says i'm not sure how talked about this episode is but it definitely deserves to be the idea of an arc ship isn't new but it works really well here especially with the usual restrictions of the time and not holding the episode back the sets are actually really good and the monoids and then there's just dot 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 <laughs> uh, they don't look so good <laughs> <laughs> the twist is genuinely clever and would have been an excellent cliffhanger letting the story be basically separate plots linked together and both work so well the flu story is really well done and tense with a conspiracy feel and the second half is a really good take on a slave revolt but even so does have some unfortunate implications and the idea of revisiting somewhere centuries later feels more like a new who plot but it fits perfectly here too very curious for what you'll all make of it okay hey Got some fun facts? I got fun facts. Fun They're not facts. Fun. They're Aww. facts. Give me that fun Aww. fact theme song. Normal facts. We just did. Sam did it. Give me a good fun fact theme song. <gasps> the audacity. Okay, so we heard from some of those tweets some stories about the producer, script editor not really liking strong female characters. Well, this is both of their last story. So, John Wiles is the producer. This is his last episode. He was a producer for 24 episodes. Verity Lambert did 86. Doctor Who, also... why do you like good things? <laughs> this is also Hate Donald Tosh. <laughs> Donald Tosh was a script editor. This is his last story, too. Um, he had been the script editor since the Time Meddler, so not very long from our point of view, because 21 <laughs> episodes are missing. Um... He did a big rewrite on the next story, The Celestial Toymaker, that we're not going to watch, but that was then in turn rewritten by the incoming script editor, Jerry Davis. But I'm so invested in this story. What happens, we'll Jake? There. Okay. I'll tell you later. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot of... Alex and I did an episode where we ranked all the 60s Doctor Who companions. We had the host from the Companion Piece podcast on. And... We asked all of Twitter to vote or to give us their top five companions from the 60s. There was one companion. We got a lot of responses. There's one companion that got zero votes, and it was Dodo. Oh, no. <laughs> Dodo. Not the best written character. This is probably her best story. It gets worse for oh, her. Oh, no. We'll oh, joy. We'll see some of that. <laughs> Luckily, almost all of season three is missing. There's this story and two more that exist, so we're not going to see a whole lot of her. <laughs> this is a rough time for the Doctor Who yep. stories. It only gets worse. Man, it makes you wonder if they even want to find these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I recently read... Oh, man, I can't remember what story it was now. It might have been what one of the stories that we've skipped past. I read was like the only story that we know for sure doesn't exist anywhere, because like 
only one copy was ever sent out to like one broadcast station somewhere and when they were contacted they were like oh yeah we burned it <laughs> or whatever and nobody was recording like vhs's back then they didn't is it, exist is vhs they invented yet. when when was vhs <laughs> the late 70s Ugh. there are two writers on this episode paul erickson and leslie scott um leslie scott's uh a woman I think she'd be the first woman Hey-o. writer of Doctor Who, but all I've heard a lot of different stories over the last day of looking into this. Some say she was his wife at the time. Some say she was his girlfriend at the time. Everyone says she didn't write a single fucking word of this story. <laughs> Thanks. Different reasons for that. I heard that like they were married, and so he just put her name on everything he wrote, which I don't think is true. I heard that she was his or they were married and he was double dipping for tax reasons. And that's possible. I have also heard that she was his girlfriend at the time. And she was like a struggling new writer. And he did it to give her her first credit so that she could go get some jobs. But there was an interview, according to Doctor Who, the handbook, colon, the first doctor, where he said it was a personal arrangement I had with her which was my own personal business at the time. Oh, <laughs> does okay. not talk about it. Or he okay. says, after that, the circumstances went into history. I need say no more than that. He didn't really say anything. <laughs> Sounds like she, like, uh, I don't know, had his child hostage. Found pictures of him cheating on his wife. I don't know. Um, I kind of already mentioned this, but this is the only Doctor Who story produced by John Wiles, and this is his last one, for which all of the episodes exist. Uh, and we we watched Galaxy 4 because they've animated it, but that's the only one we'll probably ever see of his because they're not going to animate anymore. Um, it's also one of only three epi- stories from the third season to exist in its entirety, along with the gunfighters and the war machines. So, Doctor disappears at the end of the story. What the hell is that all about? There's a story. The next story is called The Celestial Toymaker. Only the last episode exists, so we're not going to watch it. What's it rated? PG. (laughs) On the scale, Jake. Well, shit, man. I didn't look at that. Got you. You got... Gosh, I'm going to say 154. There was a time when this was a very well-regarded story, and I think fandom has kind of looked back at it and kind of thinks it's shit. The podcast I listened to where it's a married couple and the female of the two had never seen it, and she was so looking forward to it. They hated it. I don't understand how all of the ratings here are like 130 and hi- higher, lower. 130 to 156. That seems like every story we've watched. This one was 115. Sorry, 115 to 156. <laughs> <laughs> this one is one, or Celestial Toymaker is 122. But there's a couple fun things. One, Neil Patrick Harris is featured heavily in the upcoming 60th anniversary of I Doctor love Who. Neil and Patrick Harris. A lot of people are thinking he's playing the Celestial Toymaker 
because some of the shots that they've been showing are him in a toy shop. I just watched his new Netflix show in half a oh, day. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was good? Yeah. So if that turns out to be the case, we might be coming back and watching this. There's also a season 23 episode that was going to feature Celestial Toy Maker that didn't get made because the show was canceled. And it has since been written to a book and done as an audio. Maybe we'll look at that in the future if Neil Patrick Harris ends up being the Celestial Toy Maker. So you're saying we're not doing it because only the last episode exists. So is it the same like animation with the last episode? No, deal? it has not been animated. So how would we go back to it? Is kind of my question. There's reconstructions. So there's no, oh. the audio exists. Oh, okay. During this time, there's no telesnaps. So, like, a lot of the reconstructions that fans make, they have telesnaps. They have, like, pictures of the screen while it's being aired that the BBC used to do for posterity. They didn't do it during this particular producer's era. But, but some fans took pictures. There's behind the scenes pictures, like, people on set taking photos. So they, like, show a picture of a person when they're talking, when they show the audio, and they, like, show the set, and so you can kind of get a feel of what it was like, but it's a reconstruction. Gotcha. And so, like, a lot of podcasts we I listen to, they watch the recons, and they talk about them like the normal episodes. I can't get through them. I don't care that much. But when we get to the second Doctor, there is one story where three of the four episodes exist. And even on BritBox, they have episode three as a recon. So you'll get a kind of a feel of what they were like, but you'll have to deal with it for 25 minutes instead of a whole story. So at the, at the end of this, the doctor disappears. That's the celestial toy makers doing. He's kind of this omniscient being that can create things and make things happen. If you've seen Star Trek, he's a lot like Q. But the the oncoming producer and script editor were really kind of fed up with William Hartnell's shit. He was getting more and more agitated with the show. All Everyone who had started with him was gone. He was just kind of getting more cranky. His health was failing. These people were fed up with him. The initial script for the Celestial Toymaker he was going to disappear and just kind of be a voice for a couple episodes. He's barely in the thing at all. Like, he goes on a two-week vacation on a four-episode story. And he was going to come back with a different body. And it was going to be done by a Celestial Toymaker. And it was just going to be like a thing like, oh, there's a new actor playing the Doctor now. Oh, wow. So they were they were planning, the, like, not re re regeneration, just something celestial yeah. happened there's a couple instances of the team trying to write out william hartnell and it does eventually happen as you know there's a second doctor there's 13 of them 14 of them soon and but this is their first try and the bbc said no so they rewrote it <laughs> but after that story is the one we are going to watch which is four episodes and Alex is so excited. It's the gunfighters. Hell yeah. And then we're watching Tombstone after. <laughs> Takes place, spoiler alert, in Tombstone, Arizona. <laughs> and has Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday, the whole gang. Who? 
God oh, damn no. it, Sam. God. Oh, no. <laughs> Sam, you not only have to watch this, you have to watch the movie Tombstone. Yeah. Before the next podcast. Yeah. I'm your Huckleberry. Yes. This is all Cody's fault. You realize this. It's not fair. You exist in the world. You should know things. Jake, Jake all name we watch... a or just name a romance film. Do you think I don't watch rom-coms? No, I think you do. And I think Sam would be like, yeah, and can quote that one. No, but I can't I'm really quote bad Tombstone at Or Demolition Man. Um, on a recent frame, I got Notting Hill in one. I didn't even know what that movie was, Jake. Oh, so I was going to tell you in our chat <laughs> that that's written by Richard Curtis, who wrote Love Actually and wrote your favorite episode of Doctor Who. The Vincent Van Gogh one. Oh! Let me go. watch that off. one. Guess we gotta watch Notting Hill. <laughs> After a Four Weddings and a Funeral, and pretty much anything in the 90s that had uh, Hugh Grant in it. I will put it on the list. Tombstone, though. Like, tomorrow. It's, yeah. it's so good. Alex, do the song. Are we no MVP? No MVP! Okay. Uh, everyone's MVP is the doctor. Nope. <laughs> Terry, who's your MVP? I'm going to go with the writer, Paul Erickson. Terry, who's your favorite dressed player in this story? Oh, God. Um, I would say the... Oh, shit. What are they called? The Guardians. I, I really loved Gross. their costumes. I thought the <laughs> strips were really good, the but at the same time, no clothes on. yeah, it was like super risque. And like, I was, this is a family show. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Terry loves titties. Uh, they look like the rocks first outfit <laughs> when he first got to WWE. Oh, look yeah. it up. <laughs> but dear God, constructing all of those, like the seamstresses would have just been pissed at the designer. I like Dodo's outfit at the end when she changes. That looked so much better than her jester thing, but yeah. then Steven looked like a burglar. Jester? <laughs> what the hell? Steven always looks like a burglar. <laughs> wasn't Dodo in, like, crusader garb? Like, it wasn't a jester, She looked it? like a page. You just have to allow Terry to say things, and you get the idea. All right. All right Medieval. All right. Um, Cody, who's your MVP? The doctor. The Sam. Writing. Alex. Steven. Steven. <laughs> he was a sweaty boy. Jill. The director for going all out, putting it all on the line. Hell <laughs> Say, yeah. Fuck Getting your money, BBC. <laughs> Getting a pet elephant. Yeah. I like the elephant. It was a nice touch. I paid taxes for this elephant and we're going to fucking <laughs> film this shit. Alex, do the song. This has been Married to Who, our episode on the art. If you want to participate with us in our socials, you can do so on Twitter, Married to Who Pod, on Instagram, Married to Who. If you want to listen to older episodes, you can do so on our website, Married to Who.com. I've asked myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer, Terry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for The Gunfighters. Bear <laughs> <laughs>